I really need to burp. You could have done this before recording. That was like a baby burp. I, don't I didn't hear this. anything as I was chatting. <laughs> um, but that is being edited out of the podcast. It's and not. We're... That's it the intro. Is. I nailed that... it. I'm not letting you burp on the podcast. I was going to leave it as a little mystery. Like, what did Nikki do? <laughs> um, but no. Um What an amazing intro to our podcast. So welcome back to the Grim Reader podcast, <laughs> um, where we judge a book by its front cover and do a little book review afterwards. And yay. I, yay. And I am Rebecca. I'm Nikki. That I almost missed my cue. Oh, yeah. There is, <laughs> there's going to be a massive like Zoom lag there. And I'll be like, should I edit that out or not? We'll see. We'll, we'll see what you know what it wasn't even a fancy. zoom lag that was my brain fog it was just like yeah. that that was the sound of the cogs in my head going introduce yourself that's how yeah. long it takes no it was like what's my name again hmm. <laughs> Naki graffini call me by your name and in the morning i'll be on my way okay we were delirious <laughs> in the last one we're delirious again it call seems call me by welcome to the sleepy grim readers it seems yes but um we always have a little chat about what we're going to talk about um, and we have the best thing of all time to talk about because i think i think we are going to talk about this after but becca give the woman a shout out <laughs> we are giving a lovely listener a shout out who sent the i mean honestly this message like made our day uh we, becca, like becca, we got it as we sat down to start recording today and becca is like nearly teary-eyed it, it is the nice it was message. so nice so amanda if you're listening um thank you so much for your lovely message honestly we adore you and i adore will wheaton um amanda gave a really cool recommendation on a book by uh it's called lock in by mm-hmm. john scalzi John Scalzi and there's an audiobook where Will Wheaton does the audio. I love that man. If if you don't know who he, he is, then he was on Star Trek. But also, more importantly, he has a series on YouTube called um, Tabletop. Oh, and it's so good. He just plays board games with people, and he gets like <laughs> he's like me when I play board games. He gets like really frighteningly like invested. And not in a competitive way, but in a, I am a character of this story that I have interwoven in my head. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, I've played board games with Nikki before and she is, you're not competitive. I'm not you're competitive, just, but I'm so, so into it. Invested. I'm you're so like, excited to play. <laughs> like, like my favorite yeah. game is Betrayal at the House on the Hill. And I am Father Reinhardt. Like every time I play, I'm like, I become father reinhardt he is me <laughs> oh my god but oh. um yeah no that that message really made our morning uh so yeah, it did and it did. um thank you so much um we love we love listener messages we do but um we've had a really nice week i've kind of been spoiled with like really nice things happening <laughs> and i'm gonna talk about them now um so this is gonna sound like i'm copying nikki yep <laughs> Because Wait, let the records show. <laughs> um, I finally, finally got bookshelves after being in this place for two years. 
Oh. I have finally gotten rid of the horrible plastic ones I had and I have beautiful wooden bookshelves and they're like beautiful. when I say like I admire them the whole time like yeah it's just perfection. I can vouch that they are very they horrible are, they're gorgeous um see so... like you went and bought them I actually I moved and I somehow acquired bookshelves they were just here when I moved in I was like that is great <laughs> <laughs> this was meant to be Destiny. it was it was um, and the bookshelf is already overloaded oh it's literally I think the, one of the best purchases I've ever made and it's very nice and it's just like because when I had too many books and no bookshelves to put them mm. on everyone would be like oh why don't you just go to the library and it's like no I like owning things I like being surrounded by my things yeah I do want to start going to the library again it's just I'm just nervous with COVID. yeah with COVID yeah, yeah. I yeah. I still have a library book that I took out in February 2019. Girl, you still haven't I, returned that. No, I'm so embarrassed. You've talked about this before <laughs> in the podcast. I'm, I'm gonna so dig for that episode and be Three like three episodes later. I'm so mortified. <laughs> okay, listeners, you have to shame Nikki into returning that book. And uh, no, I can't. I can't walk in there. Do you think I could post it to them like with an anonymous like cut-out letter, like I'm sorry, but like girl, you know, and they, they have the, the record of who has it. <laughs> I have a record of who has the book. So can you're I, still... Can I pretend to have kidnapped myself? And it's like, I have kidnapped Nikki Griffin, but she did want to return her library book, so I will do her that justice. So This is want... not Nikki returning this. <laughs> so you want the librarians to call the Gardaí and be yeah. like... Hey, we think we have a kidnapped victim. That is less mortifying than walking in with like a book like one year and five months later. Oh, and yeah. it doesn't matter what pandemic we were in. That's still find, mortifying. Find me for waste of guardy time. Like, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, I want a kidnap investigation started. Like, yeah. Jesus. Off um, we go. Off we yeah. go. <laughs> Last point, because we're probably going to post this on the Instagram, is that we met a beautiful beautiful sausage dog we did and me and becca were finally united yes finally united and to be honest anyone who knows me knows that my love of sausage dogs is just i will yeah. cry when i see one They're like just the thing is is i will preface this that rebecca is a little bit flawed because all dogs are created equal but rebecca does not agree with this sentiment <laughs> <laughs> i do love all dogs but there's just I never really knew what my obsession was and I always thought it was maybe a movie. Have you ever heard about the ugly Dachshund? No. That movie. It was a Disney movie. It was like a bunch of Dachshunds and then there was a Great Dane <laughs> and he thought he was a Dachshund. But anyway, my oh. mom was like, no, actually when you were in your creche when I was a baby, they had a little sausage dog and I oh. apparently loved it. So I was like... Oh. That's this really so sweet. beautiful. So I think it's you know fond childhood memories. But yeah, like- and like so, Rebecca was talking to me and my mum and mm-hmm. Chloe, and then she just um I, behind her, I could see this dog, and I was like, I just interrupted you. I was like, Rebecca, turn around. Rebecca, turn around. Rebecca, turn around. Rebecca, turn around. Rebecca, <laughs> and like you turned around, and she like dissolved in yeah. tears. Literally, there was a massive <laughs> gasp, and like. I have to say a lot of owners won't stop usually if they're walking their dog. This guy was like, do you want to pet her? I was like, oh my God, you're my people. <laughs> <laughs> it was literally like down on the ground. I was like, come here. And like, 
she was what so was the friendly. Dog's name? You got it. We got to unveil but the I dog's ha- name. I have to say, this is the best dog the best, name without I have a doubt. ever heard. Her name was Ishbeen, which Ishbeen. for anybody who doesn't know, Ishbeen is the Irish for sausage. <laughs> just so cute I was like I was this close this close there's no gaps between my fingers from untethering that leash and running I was like you are gone with the wind so (laughs) there is a picture of me literally like crying yeah like petting this beautiful dog if you um, follow us on Instagram you may see this photo you may see this photo so um, (laughs) nice little plug love love those little dogs are we talking about books we are talking about books that's odd <laughs> what a weird thing for us to do you know on this your segues, about books your segues aren't getting much better girl <laughs> i'm only 33 episodes in i'll i'll get my hang on it <laughs> sometimes they, I, they work i've got time yeah. <laughs> rebecca you are going to guess the plot of good eggs by rebecca hardyman a book that i have read recently that i will soon review okay i have seen this book actually um, it's such a good cover i say that is, every week but it is um, so it is a beautiful like mustard background it's very mustard um and then in beautiful cursive writing and white is good eggs the title of our book and then we've got three characters on it so there is uh, at the top there is a young girl i'd say she's a teenager uh, in her school uniform then we have at the bottom uh gonna say it's probably her dad a man mm-hmm. and he's got his hands up on his head he looks worried i'm gonna say he looks worried mm-hmm. and then the best one of all is an old lady hunched over cycling her cy- uh, her bicycle <laughs> and a very old lady on a, a very, very small old. bicycle it is it's it's a small bicycle and the thing is I love the detail like they put on a shawl they have a little bag like and everything. the way she has like her head is like at the handlebars oh I had a really bad thought Do you know what it looks like it looks like E.T. <gasps> <gasps> it does it looks like E.T. No, he goes on the little box, doesn't he? He does. His legs like, are not long enough to cycle the bicycle. Same, same you know, posture. There, are, like, there is a heavy, there's a heavy ET like yeah. vibe um, going on here. <laughs> and then around the kind of outline, there's like little bits of like white dashes. Yeah, Ooh. just kind of like the kind of like the the dot or like when you're like doing it a picture book or yeah. do you know what it is it's like do you know when we need the poo and the bees are flying yes. when it's got that like little dash line that. Yes. Oh, <laughs> good old Winnie the Pooh okay and then we have a little review fresh funny and irresistibly good humoured by Claudia Carroll so good eggs Rebecca Hardiman this is a tough book Nikki <laughs> oh. no it is not you're literally getting gifted characters like that's I mean gifted like... characters but like good eggs is such a hard title okay mm. <laughs> when I think of good eggs I always think of the like Charlie and the Chocolate Factory thing where it's like they you know the first one not the Johnny Depp one where like they have the geese and if they lay a good egg it goes oh, like good. Yeah. I, I I only have like the weirdest flashbacks of that movie. And you know the bit when they're in the river. What's the song oh, he yeah. sings? 
um we're going oh, it's down really the river and we're really really <laughs> it's, yeah, like it's, it's really up. creepy yeah no, um, it's but okay so my version of good eggs by rebecca hardiman is gonna be i'm gonna say that this is set in england mm. uh, i'm gonna say maybe sussex maybe okay. yorkshire I don't know if they're anywhere close to each other, but we're going to keep going. And I'm going to say that this family um, are kind of dysfunctional. Um, uh, We have a teenage daughter who is feeling really rebellious. And I'm going to say her name is... I was about to hassle you on that. I know, I'm I'm prepared now. I'm going to say her name is... Emma. Emma. Her name is Emma. Okay. Okay. The long pauses for me to decide on a name are always edited out, by the way. (laughs) But um, so Emma, she's really rebellious. And I'm going to say that we kind of, our first scene is literally one of like the morning from hell. And like this is their typical morning of like the dad, they've slept through their alarms. They, the girl is going to be late for school. She's like, I'm not going. I'm not being embarrassed (laughs) by having to walk in. Like he is, they're having a full on screaming match. The granny is there like, shut up. And she's like banging her cane. (laughs) Like she's still in bed. And like, she's like, just bring me my, like, it's just. And then like, when he finally gets the girl up from bed, like the house is destroyed. Oh God. It is messy. Everything is just everywhere. She can't, (laughs) like, he's like, where's your school bag? And she's like, I don't know. Like you go find it. (laughs) So he's like digging through trash to find it. And he's like, oh my God. And he's like, what is your maths book doing in the recycling bin? Like, get this out of here. (laughs) Like it is just chaotic. And like the granny's getting up. She's like, oh, are you having a day off school? Yay. (laughs) I just like, oh my God, someone to keep me company. He's like, no, she's late. She's going to school. She's like, no, see, granny agree. And like, it's just, we we are introduced to this family as like, oh my God what are they <laughs> what so is going it sets on? it sets the scene so emma's really rebellious her dad is literally at his wits end um he is he is panicking about his job because his home life is really um uh, chaotic dysfunctional it's 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 taking his main focus and I'm going to say his job is awful he's like in a horrible nine-to-five job where he has to do overtime all the time um he's not paid for the overtime um his boss is horrible to him like just overloads him like takes credit for his work it's just not great and um his boss is like you need to start pulling your weight more and you're like how can this man pull his weight anymore this man is being pulled in every direction and i'm gonna say the granny is i'm gonna say she's like a future nikki she is really laid back but she's also a little bit cracked (laughs) a little bit cracked me roasting nikki casually yes and i'm ready I'm like, say, I, like... I, I will spoil slightly by saying I found the granny in this book like iconic <laughs> so like I'm on I, it I felt it I felt it when I saw that picture of the granny on the front I was like this I feel like we're gonna love this granny <laughs> like we had um the granny from the switch that we were like we love her yeah and I feel like her. this is gonna be a similar one so I'm gonna say this granny she's a little bit cracked um she um I'm going to say, I always remember the story of uh, a girl in my class in school. Her granny wouldn't do yoga. (laughs) 
or like didn't believe in yoga because she was like that's not Christian <laughs> like Jesus <laughs> that's a sin and I'm gonna say she's kind of the opposite of that she's like I'm doing yoga as <laughs> an, an abomination towards God <laughs> and like she'll do yoga in her nightdress out on the front garden like for everyone to see like her legs crossed like and just yeah um she comes home and like she brings in chickens and she's like we'll start selling eggs and the dad is like oh my god we don't have space for this and, is this um, like the main plot point of the book it's the I'm, I'm not to actually gonna know an egg industry <laughs> I could have gone with chicken the chicken run because I love chicken run the movie but oh yes uh no so the what we start seeing is a little bit of a background that the um, mum of this family has actually passed away. And okay. that's why the granny has moved in. Um, the mum was, we're kind of getting flashbacks um, and why um, Emma is not wanting to go to school. She's being bullied. And um, people saying like, oh my God, like um, you're just milking it now your mom's death and all this and we start getting kind of this the main plot point is them dealing with the mother's death and I'm going to say that it was a really prolonged illness and maybe cancer Mm. and um that it's how they're dealing with it so the granny um is her mom's mom and she's moved in to help out and the dad is like this is not helping whatsoever I'm going to say it's a little bit of a Nanny McPhee situation. She actually mm. is helping, but it's really not conventional. Yeah. You know, um, and like we see kind of, um, she brings these chickens home <laughs> and um, the dad's like, right, I'm going to just cook them. Like, that's it. I'm cooking <gasps> them. And no. she's like, uh, the daughter gets involved. And she's like, no, 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 no. So then the daughter starts helping her look after them. And like, they do lay eggs and like, there's funny situations of them like, bringing them into the local the granny's like well just bring them into the local supermarket like they'll sell them them for us (laughs) she brings them in and they're like they're unleashed and she's just like putting them up on the counter while she looks yeah and like she brings them into the local (laughs) supermarket and they're like we're not going to take your eggs like no um like there's rules about like and they're like she's like jesus like i grew these in my back garden like phoenix here and, like, she brings out the pictures of the chickens and she's like look i even took pictures like with the disposable camera of the chickens and she's like look that's their egg in there and it's, she's just wild like she's yeah. gas and um it's just like funny situations with her that the the daughter starts opening up a little bit and kind of telling her what's going on so then um she's like right we in her head we see stuff of like she needs to repair the relationship between the dad and daughter so um she's like right first thing is his job and like um she starts actually ringing customer service for his workplace and she's like there's some awful abuse going on (laughs) (laughs) and like complaining about his manager and they're like do you work for this company and she's like no 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 and I'm like, a whistleblower <laughs> she's like that on the phone she's like I'm a whistleblower and they're like can we take your name and she's like no I want to remain anonymous and like we have caller ID and she's like <laughs> she hangs up <laughs> so then the next day she actually goes to a pay phone and she's like I have to make this call now because you told me you have caller ID and now I'm in this like smelly people. And now I want this over as soon as possible. I need yeah. to get home. And like she tells him, she's like, I'm going to ring every day. 
and I, every day until this man gets his comeuppance and like it's just wild like eventually like they do find out like it's his uh mother-in-law and he's brought in and he's like look I don't want to cause a racket and he drew her like no 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 um we've kind of investigated her claims and that, she like, was right she was right and he's, he goes home and there is a huge argument that she crossed the line that it was not on and things like that but she's like didn't I get it sorted <laughs> she's like someone had to do it and uh he is just so he is kind of relieved and he actually gets a promotion and um he actually turns it down and he actually hands in his letter of resignation because he's like, I shouldn't have had to put up with that for years. They should have looked at my like, work property. It should not have taken my mother-in-law in various phone booths across the city <laughs> yeah. to have this sorted. <laughs> so I'm going to say he actually either starts his own company or he gets hired by someone that was actually headhunting him that he was never aware mm. of. And like, it's just completely different life. And we kind of see them like, so happy towards the end and like I'm gonna say the house is still a mess there's now chickens running around wild because <laughs> it's Granny's like the like... same scene as the opening except everyone's being nice to each They're other actually... amongst the chaos I'm, I'm still gonna say there's gonna be bickering obviously like a teenage yeah. daughter but um like they're a lot happier but like I think with the chickens running around she's like they need to be free range <laughs> she's got <laughs> in their in her head like they need to be allowed wander freely around you cannot have fences you know and I'm gonna say there's like some absolute wild humor in it and yeah that's my guess it's like good eggs I love it so much I'm actually really happy with my my story favorite story you've ever made up (laughs) and you know what you're not that far off because so good eggs by Rebecca Hardyman first of all it's her debut novel I was so impressed by this it's Mm. like you're right it is it's a book with really good humor and uh it's it's just very very good so uh, to be honest if someone names their book like good eggs it's gonna have some humor in it like it has to be fun I I think of like um what's the book um cowgirl that I covered yeah yeah and even that humor in it like yeah Exactly. So it's it's a fun book. So Good mm-hmm. Eggs by Rebecca Hardman. It follows a family and it's kind of told through the perspective of three different like generations. So we have um, Kevin Gogarty, who is, and they're all in Dublin, by the way, and they're all very oh, middle damn class. It. I know they're Dublin family. But oh, I was Kevin... more like I got the location wrong, but you're there. Yeah. You're going to just be like, I'll roast the Dubliners. Yeah. <laughs> So there's Kevin Gogarty. He is a middle-aged dad of um, three kids and uh, he's very spiteful and he's kind of jaded from the world because um, he is he was a journalist who ended up working in tabloids. So like he kind of wasn't he already kind of wasn't delighted with his career, but the world's moved on from tabloid newspaper and it's now tabloid like Snapchat articles and things like this. everything's gone digital and he cannot keep up and he's just the industry has outgrown him so he is now a stay-at-home dad of three kids and um him and his wife's marriage is a little bit rocky as well because she's really successful and off working every day and never home always traveling and he's he's spiteful Mm. and he um we meet kevin right as he starts thinking about having an affair I know. No, Kevin. Bad no. man. 
Bad man. Then we have Kevin's, um, one of Kevin's daughters, Aideen. She's one of his two daughters who are twins and she is the, the strappy twin. <laughs> she is, as you said, like she's really rebellious. She's argumentative. And her other twin is Nula, who um, she's kind of like the perfect sister. Um, and she's like, you know, really pretty and like, oh, dad I'd love to come with you to the bank and all this like she's a kisser and um uh Aideen the the strappy teenager who we're getting her point of view she refers to Nula for the whole book as nemesis with a capital n (laughs) so she's like nemesis spoke (laughs) (laughs) very funny so she's a rebel she's getting in loads of trouble all the time and she is like like she hates Nula so much and is like terrorizing her and Nula's terrorizing her back like but not in the eyes of her dad so Kevin sends Aideen off to boarding school then our third character is Millie Gogarty the star of the book <laughs> who is Kev- Kevin's mother and oh, okay. she relates to Aideen because she feels like Kevin is about to send her off to a nursing home and she does not want that at all. She has her own house and her own independence. She's 83. <laughs> One. Like, it's very unbelievable after knowing all the things, the antics she gets up into in this book, mm. knowing that she's 83 by the end. <laughs> <clears throat> so she's Kevin's mother. She is a kleptomaniac. She has just been caught shoplifting again. Oh, God. <laughs> And she steals like things that she just does not need. So like she's stealing like birthday cards, like and there's no one's birthday coming up. Like she's just a klepto. And as she says herself, she plans to grow old disgracefully. Uh, <laughs> as we all do. Yeah. So she there's a lot of incidences happen. Like she crashes her car, she gets caught stealing. So when she gets caught stealing again, the guardie are called and she's brought in and Kevin comes into her in the witness room and it's like they've got you on all charges mom they've got you on all charges you need to agree like they'll offer you a a, a deal Mm. that um if you get a caretaker to look after you in the home then um they won't charge you with anything otherwise you're going to jail and all this and she's like I don't need to caretaker at all he's like no you're going to jail unless you get a caretaker she's like for fuck's sake and she's meant to be going off to america for the first time with like her best friend in the whole world and that trip gets cancelled because oh, she's no. been caught by the guards the guards basically tell her no you can't go you need to be at home with your caretaker so kevin hires a woman named sylvia who's american to like look after millie and um the second sylvia comes into the home millie is having none of it like she's <laughs> so like whatever absolutely do not want to know this woman and she's like proper like pouting and everything oh no don't want to know her and she steals um sylvia has these really fancy luggage cases and she like swipes one of the tags off it you know just where it says her name yeah um like the really fancy luggage tag she just steals that for no reason (laughs) and um eventually sylvia kind of starts to starts to wrap millie around her finger a little bit she like cleans her house and she um organizes her um kitchen for her and she starts doing really nice work for her and there's an incident where um um 
Millie and Sylvia, the caretaker, are going to the shop and um, Millie is driving and Millie crashes the car. And um, it's not too bad a crash, but it's not great. The car needs to be repaired. And she's like, oh, my God, Kevin's going to send me away to a home. So Sylvia agrees to take the blame for her. She was driving. So then Sylvia and Millie, like, they love each other now. Like, Millie is like, this chick is cool. This um, woman is going to go to jail for me. <laughs> like this woman. Amazing. So this book is, it's it's starting to take place. Um, Kevin starts speaking to one of the teachers in the girls' school, in the boarding school, and that's not good. An affair happens. It's like, from the get-go, Kevin is not a likable character. He's probably the only one you are just like, fuck him. You yeah. love Millie from day one. You're like, Millie is a gas bitch. I love yeah. her. And then Aideen, like, you're kind of rooting for her because she's just having a hard time. And mm. her sister's being a dick, and no one sees that her sister's being a dick to her as well. And Aideen is, of course, like, the one causing most of the trouble. But you can see her side of the story as well. She's really, like, yeah. misunderstood. So... This book, the the kind of moment that kickstarts our amazing, spectacular story is when Sylvia, the um, caretaker for Millie, goes AWOL. No one knows what happened. And what? right after, yeah. Um, so no one knows what happened. And there's a little bit of unraveling. There is, like, this book is so gas. Um, you were kind of right with Aideen and Millie kind of ganging up together and kind of you know mm. getting up to trouble they like sneak off to America <laughs> like, oh Jesus they like sneak off to Florida and on the plane and I'm not going to tell you why they sneak off but on the plane um Millie <laughs> Millie goes into the bathroom and starts smoking of course <laughs> Of She's course. like chain smoking in the bathroom and she comes out and as she comes out loads of smoke comes out and the the flight attendant is like there you smoke alarms in there like here. yeah but the flight attendant's like you can't smoke here and Millie's like I was what smoking you can't smoke on a plane and she kind of starts playing like really dumb and Aideen comes up and Aideen's like Nana what are you after doing and all this and like um Millie as she says plays the dementia card much like our favorite Thursday murder club stars (laughs) and she kind of pretends like she has no idea what's going on and um Aideen apologizes for her and they go back to their seat and they get away with it like and it's it's very 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 funny it's it's a really good book and it's really heartwarming and um I saw a lovely review where it referred to it as a book of second chances um, oh, what nice. is it again it's a joyous exuberantly fun-filled novel of second chances an absolute delight from start to finish so oh, I nice. loved this book I devoured it I started reading it on a Friday morning and I was teaching throughout the day on zoom and anytime that someone was late or didn't show up i just I did not leave my chair I just read the book <laughs> any chance I could get I had a tattoo book to that day I read my book while getting tattooed I could not put this down it was so so funny and I loved every single character kind of similarly to how I felt on Thursday Murder Club mm. 
with how much I love them. Thursday Murder Club would still rank higher for the fact that there's a lot of emotion in that. They deal with a lot of issues like grief and losing losing people. There's a lot of issues dealt with in Thursday Murder Club, but this book is just as fun and wacky. And Millie, Millie Gogarty is like one of the best characters in <laughs> contemporary fiction. Like that's the end. <laughs> <laughs> that's the end. <laughs> So I give this book like a solid eight out of ten. Like I, I loved it so much. I think and I think we're gonna have a recurring theme of us just like absolutely loving the old grannies and granddads. Oh my god, it's my favorite. Like Mike. it's it's my I hope there's a new literary trope. Like I'm done with the unreliable, unlikable narrator. I mm. now want the wild old people. <laughs> The wild OAPs. Yeah, that's what I want. Um, we like our old age pensioners, wild and full of yeah. gas, crack, full of like, zest, zest for life. Um, but but yeah, what a great book! Good Eggs by Rebecca Hardiman, eight out of ten. Go and buy it. Go and wow. read it. I'd say it would be a really good audiobook as well. I did read the, the read the book, but I'd say it would be a brilliant audiobook. Cool. Yeah, it's it's about it's actually it's quite long it's about 400 and something pages but no you'll fly it yeah. so good cool no i'm really liking the sound of millie i was somewhat right with the granny being yeah you cracked. were you were like, like on it i was on it that I little just... picture of her on the bike like there there's another bit in the book where she is put in a home and she like has a grand escape planned as she is on the bike and it's so funny <laughs> I was waiting for you to tell me that she'd stolen the bike. I would have been like, go on, woman. She did. Yeah, yeah. I'm not surprised. She did steal the bike. I'm not surprised. (laughs) But um, that sounds like a gas book. It's very good. That sounds like a gas book. Um, The book that I'm doing today does have some humor in it, but um, no cracked OAPs. Oh. Yeah, I'm I'm sorry to say. Um, I shall have to dig out some books with some cracked OAPs in it cause... I know we need to we need to like start a shelf on um, Goodreads with cracked OAPs yeah okay the the so... grannies and granddads we stand <laughs> I want some crazy granny granddad autobiographies like that's yeah. what I want give okay. us hook it to my veins <laughs> okay next book we are reviewing today well first of all I'm going to guess what this book is about because I'm okay. looking at Rebecca's choice which is snowflake by louise nealon and the cover is really striking like if mm. you live in ireland you've seen this book yeah. everywhere like if you are in ireland it's absolutely everywhere you can't avoid this book it's in tesco's <laughs> <laughs> so the cover height of, of fame book, the yeah. height of fame it's in tesco it's in tesco like so, i was gonna say like this um i think because i fo- we follow her on instagram I think this book has actually gone into Shakespeare and Company. And oh. I was like, you have made it. Yeah. One Louise Nealon. Whereas you're like, Tesco is the height of Irish. Yeah, so high Irish fame. Some Tesco's not as, but no, she is. Well done, Louise Nealon. I forgot yeah. that she had it in Shakespeare and Company. That's yeah. so fab. So, I'm very um, proud for her. I know that's great so anyway this book Snowflake by Louise Nealon it's a really cool cover it's really eye-catching in the in the shops because I do own this book but I bought this knowing that Rebecca was going to review it so I literally bought it and just put it in my bookshelf I don't know what it's about um so the cover of this is it's kind of like um this kind of 
like a diagonal stripe down the middle and the top half is this really nice like kind of bubblegum blue it's darker i think in person um like yeah but no i'd say that's like a bubblegum kind of a sky blue yeah okay Mm -hmm. i stand by it and then the bottom end is our color of the podcast it seems we've got some neon orange (laughs) go on so weird that that is the major trend this summer like 2021 is the the neon orange book like that's everywhere because we like it's animal it's uh insatiable mm-hmm. it's the summer job it's like I was looking in um Eason's this week I was looking and like that whole row was just orange <laughs> yeah it's a lot of orange even some recent publications I think Widowland is bright orange there's one called Love Orange and it's orange as well yeah like there's lots of it's weird like, it's weird it's like know. the girl they, the girl they're they're like the what's what's the color that we're gonna pick for yeah this year for publishing they're like orange it's orange it's the 2021 the year of orange yeah year of the amber alert <laughs> oh no girl no <laughs> so this book um we've got the the bubblegum blue that i am standing mm. by we've got the neon orange and right at this kind of uh, diagonal kind of cross between the colors we have this girl in black and um she's kind of drawn in black and white she's got a short bob a black shirt on and she's sitting kind of on the cliff edge of, of that orange color looking into the blue so um automatically like the name snowflake it like it makes me think that this book is going to be political before i even before i even like i don't get that vibe from the cover i only get that vibe from the title but what i think this is and this is kind of similar to an awful lot of millennial fiction that I've kind of guessed before is that this is a girl who her whole life has been told she's really bright she's really special she's really intelligent she's gonna do it all and she hits her mid-20s and there's a slump and it's like I've done welcome to our world (laughs) welcome to millennial fiction (laughs) and I think especially with the title I think that holds true as well Mm. I think this girl has been her whole life it's been you're so different you're so unique you're so this you're so that and all of a sudden she moves to London and she is among many women who have been told all the same things and who have ended up in the same spot. Mm. And they're all in London. They're all in kind of dead end media marketing jobs. <laughs> it's always media marketing. And um, kind of a bit, she's just hit a, hit a stage where she's really directionless all of a sudden. And her life has felt like it was penned out before her. And all of a sudden, like, no. I'd know what I'm supposed to do next. So I, I think this main character, what will I name her? I think her name is, hmm, I think it might be Amy, but A-I-M-E-E. Okay. I, know, I think, or Bernadette. That's the other one I'm like stuck on, but I don't think it's Bernadette. Uh, no, I'll call her Bernadette. She'll be cool. Her name's okay. Bernie, like my aunt. Oh, okay. Bernie. Yeah, her I name like that. is Bernie. Yeah. So Bernie has moved from Dublin um, where she was like really cool. Like she, you know, she was like 
Tumblr aesthetic, like really cool girl, always really different. She's probably the first person like out of her friends to get like a tattoo. Mm. And she's always quite edgy. And like she has like uh, a septum piercing. She has one or two tattoos. She has cool kind of chopped um, kind of mullet kind of shag hair. And it's all colored. And she goes to Trinity as many millennial mm. <laughs> millennial contemporary fiction characters do she is um fresh out of her degree in trinity and was um valedictorian of her class um she and she's just she is a cool girl she has loads of friends she's she's a very good person and she like in in accordance to everyone in her year like she is going to take on the world so she moves to london she on the surface it's this amazing job the salary is really really good and she gets there and moves into her apartment and her apartment's a little bit of shithole and that's like her first kind of "Mm, okay and her she's actually in a flat chair um in the apartment and her housemate is a really burnt out 40 year old woman who's like Jesus Christ get out of the fucking way and she's just on one all the time and poor Bernie has like gone from having the world kind of built around her Mm. to like I can't even get into this place it's it's really crazy um she gets to her job and she has a tiny tiny desk at the back of the office and she soon realizes like this isn't actually a great job I'm kind of basically an intern and mm. um, like it's well paid but she is doing like you know she thought she was going to be like a journalist and going out getting cutting edge stories and she isn't she is fetching people coffee she is coming up with headlines and that's kind of mm. it and she's like telling story like she's sent out to just find stories but for other writers to write and she kind of goes out of her way and like writes her own like amazing deep dive on um this like maybe this like local vintage kind of shop and like it's really cool history and she gets back to the firm and she kind of shows them her work and they're really fucking pissed and they're like you're after like taking a story you need to sign this NDA because someone else wants to write that story and they'll write it better than you and like you can't claim Mm. it was plagiarized or whatever so she's just really miserable and it starts this downward spiral of um, everyone from Dublin is ringing her and on her Facebook going, we're so proud of you. You're going to take on the world like Bernie, the journalist of the year. Like, oh, my God, can't believe you're working in like the London Times or whatever it is. And everyone back home is so proud of her and so enthusiastic. And she's kind of keeping up a facade with them mm. that it's as great as she thought it was going to be. And she starts posting these fake like she starts like posting fake nights out. So like she'll go out and take pictures of people um, drinking and hanging out and kind of pretend that she's with them. And I think there's a, there's a scene where she's like outside a really high end bar and it's like the windows in front of her. And she like turns around to smile for a selfie to make it look like she's at the table. And all the like, maybe one of the men at the table gets really aggressive with her, and he's like, "What the fuck are you doing?" Because like, he's a, actually a local slave, and he's having an affair with whoever's at the table, and it's this whole thing. So she is faking it till she makes it, and it eventually kind of all comes out. An anonymous account pops up and is like, 
um our our dear Bernie isn't doing so well she's like and there's pictures of her like sitting alone at lunch and there's pictures of her um crying at work and she feels like a fraud and I think this book um kind of ignites like I think this book is her diary of what's been going on mm. and eventually um the, her story is kind of scouted by another journalist who wants to go and write um, an article on millennial burnout and expectation and things like this. And from that amazing opportunities come, I think she actually does become the writer because she probably submits to the journalist like her like her diary and the journalist is like, you should release this as is. Oh, wow. He's mm-hmm. like, you are an amazing writer. Like um, this, this whole diary could help so many people. And I think that's what it's about, even though I know I'm very wrong. (laughs) You actually got a theme that's in the book, right? Okay. But the rest (laughs) of it is wrong. Yes. (laughs) Um, So Snowflake by Louise Nealon is a very recent publication. And it's one that um, even before it was released, it was already on my radar. Like it was really like um really hyped up and it was something that I was nervous actually to read because Mm. I've noticed since starting this podcast and kind of reading books that are really popular and things like that sometimes they don't live up to the hype I know and it's the worst and it probably would have enjoyed it without the hype that's the thing and I sometimes know that I'm actually not looking for books that are hyped up or I'm not reading reviews until after I've read it so yeah. you know trying to keep as an open mind as possible and not to get disappointed but um this was only published in may of this year and um but it was long on my radar like this was one of the most anticipated books yeah um, coming yeah. out yeah coming out this year so um what i will say um the writing in this is like this is one of the first notes i had to make the writing in this is just amazing I really liked it. It has a really magical quality to it. Mm. And it's something that I've seen in other, like I'd written some parts of these notes before I'd like read reviews. And it was something that came up a lot in other people's that they were like, the writing is just fab. Like I really enjoyed her writing style, but it's, it has this like magical quality to it that makes it Mm. really endearing and charming. Um, And it kind of almost mystical at times and it just really really great and then you also have kind of this kind of surface level of the writing being great and all this kind of stuff but Mm -hmm. on a deeper level some of the themes like you are completely dismantling or like calling out Irish um, stigmas and things like that Mm. or um, how we handle things and it's really I just loved it I love books like that but I think her writing like I'm really like this is a sorry a spoiler I'm really looking forward to what she writes next mm-hmm. and um yeah so uh Louise Nealon if we you're listening a fan, a already a fan already a fan so about the book Bernie is not her name but you kind of got it right with like Bernadette and her name being shortened to Bernie we have Deborah oh, who uh, is called Debbie that's a stretch <laughs> come on it's close you're, I know you're trying it's to give me close. a close it's, it's close <laughs> so Debbie isn't in her 20s she's actually 18 and she lives on a dairy farm with her mother Maeve and her uncle Billy mm. um so family life is dysfunctional <laughs> um very dysfunctional. that's like the theme of today dysfunctional dysfunctional 
Um, and uh, her mom um, believes her dreams are prophecies. Oh, yeah. And um, like her we mom, we love a spooky mom. She she spends like just all day sleeping in bed. And as the book kind of goes on, there's something that happens that really pushes her mom um, over the edge. And um, we kind of see that her mom is a lot more mentally unwell than we realized. Okay. And um, so that's, uh, it's a strong um, thing running through the book. Billy, her uncle, is an alcoholic. Mm. And that's kind of, we gradually see that as the book goes on, you're like, oh, okay, the drinking is a lot. And even um, there's a quote in it that Debbie says, it is socially acceptable to be an alcoholic as long as you don't get treatment for it. And that's kind of her commentary on living in rural Ireland. Yeah. Um, And she's really close to Billy. He actually, he doesn't live in the house with them. He lives in a caravan (laughs) at the back. and um she's really close to him it actually opens with her talking about billy and um like he has full faith in her everything like that he is a bit of an inspiration for her you know uh they do a lot of stargazing on the roof of the caravan and um it's just a really lovely like all of them they're very it's a loving loving family just there's a lot of stuff going on that they really need help for and they're not Mm -hmm. getting it um so we kind of see that Billy isn't okay either. So you're like, okay, the two main people in her life, not okay. Ew. Mm-hmm. Do you know? Not good. So Debbie, she's 18. So she's done the leaving cert. She's been accepted into Trinity College, Dublin. So you're right with Trinity. Um, but she hasn't finished there. She's starting off. And she's going to go study English. Um, so she's very apprehensive about starting college and we kind of see that she is um she was always kind of the smartest person in her class but she's like she doesn't think much of it and Mm. we're kind of seeing that she is burnt out and she is kind of she is naturally smart all that and when she gets to college she is completely overwhelmed Mm -hmm. like it is a huge panic attack for her really um she's she's struggling it is like she is not okay and Mm -hmm. she tries to mask it all um but you can tell like she is definitely suffering from anxiety maybe even depression and it's just not good she is just Mm -hmm. not able for it and she even tells billy like i'm not going back and he's like to hell you're not going back like off you go kick you on the train like oh no she's also commuting because their farm is only about like 40 minutes away from Dublin so it's Mm -hmm. cheaper than getting accommodation so throughout this whole story Debbie is terrified of becoming like her mum and um we see that she starts having prophetic dreams um through the book and she is kind of she doesn't want them to happen and she's terrified by them she is out of her mind when she wakes up from them and like she's like oh my god I was living Mm. in someone else's body like I saw this happening through their eyes and um yeah it's it's an interesting one um so it is like it's it is the inspiration behind the book which I'll get into later is really it is interesting um but I mean overall it is a coming of age story Mm -hmm. um which to be honest I'm at the point where I've read quite a lot of them now um, yeah. sometimes this is a great book I just sometimes feel uh, 
you know, just maybe that's my own kind of tiredness of reading a lot of um, coming of age stories recently mm-hmm. that maybe I need to space them out a little bit more, but that's not a reflection on Louise Nealon or her book at all. Yeah. It's just kind of this genre that is being, or this trope that's being done a lot at the moment. So a lot of it, um, having gone through college <laughs> and having done a master's and everything like that, a lot of her experiences are very relatable. Even her first day of college, like I was like, yeah, I was overwhelmed going in. Yeah. You know, um, and you're meeting people that she might have been the best at English in her school, but now mm-hmm. she's surrounded by like these know-it-alls and you know her experiences aren't the greatest sometimes um yeah and it's that whole thing like it that is what happens when you go to college it is like yeah. you're told like you're really good at this and now like you know you're going to be amazing at this when you grow up and then you get into like you know like the way we went into yeah. um, music. music school <laughs> and all of a sudden it's like like they're all good tiny fish yeah. massive pond <laughs> yeah and before you would have been like a hot shot now it's like you are a noob <laughs> yeah you are nobody here but yeah. um she's I mean her feeling out of depth like that's very relatable do you know even uh now teaching and I have college students checking in that they're going doing okay do you know because I mean it is you're it is a completely different experience do you know it and is, you can and literally really feel like you're linked. swimming in the deep end it it's is linked to your ego and your sense of self as well yeah. because your whole thing as a teenager is finding the thing that you're meant to be and the yeah. thing that you're good at and then all of a sudden you get to college and you look at the thing in deeper uh, with a deeper lens and you realize that I'm actually shit at parts of this thing yeah. and it becomes oh my god I'm not meant to do this and this person finds it easier and da-da. and it's linked to your sense of self mm. it's a different it's a different type of anxiety than like unless you've gone through it then you kind of I don't think people understand how mind-numbing the whole thing is yeah no it's it is it isn't nice and I mean I related quite a lot to some of her experiences, even disappointment with lectures, but even like her fellow students, do you know, it does, you know, you get trivialized with what you're going through. And um, she really struggles to fit in. And uh, hello, awkward person. I'm like, yes, ah. same. But um, Debbie is really suffering and you are like, some of the sections are uncomfortable because you just want someone or something to come in and help her like she is really 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 struggling like it is literally watching her drown in a swimming pool like it's bad um so some of the themes that are kind of discussed um the first one I wrote down was alcohol um and I mean Ireland is known for its drinking culture which I think is wrong um I don't even going abroad and people are like, oh, you're Irish. Oh, go on, we'll get you a pint or whatever. And you're like, I actually don't drink, you know? And they're like, And I oh, hate you're... that it's linked to a, a thing of pride. To yeah. Drink. Like it's, it's like, you should be proud of how much you can drink or how often you drink or what yeah. you can drink when I'm getting sick everywhere. It's like, it, it shouldn't be like it's, it's, I, I don't drink so I don't think it should be a pride thing at all I think I, I no. don't like drink but even then like it's definitely too much of a pride thing it, you mm. know like drink to enjoy your night well no drink to add enjoyment to your night yes. not to enjoy your night yeah 
No, it is like that. And I think with this, we see in this book how a lot of the characters use alcohol to cope with their problems. Mm-hmm. And it, it alcohol is not a coping mechanism. <laughs> um, do you know, it is one of the worst things. But um, it's she's grown up, Debbie has grown up in a household where Billy used his drink to cover his emotions or feelings or things like that. And it's kind of a learnt thing that she has. But I mean, it is alarming in the book. And even um, Debbie, there's times she gets blackout drunk. And it's only much later in the book that she she's told what's happened when she's blackout drunk. Mm. And I mean, I was really kind of incredibly angry at her friends for not having stepped in sooner. Um, mm. There's a lot of things that um, just really, really damaging to a person, I think for them to find this out much later. And it's it's something that I think it is a very big kind of conversation that Ireland does need to have about drink. And even in the rural areas, you know, I brought up the quote about alcohol earlier. It's something that, you know, you're like, you can be an alcoholic, but like, you can't say that you're one and you can't get treatment for it. Yeah. You know? And you're like, no, 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 this person needs help. Like this is not good for them. And um, yeah, so leading on from that then is mental health, which is a big um, conversation in this book. Mm-hmm. Um, and in Debbie's household, each of the three characters are really suffering, um, either from depression, um, anxiety, um, even things that are a, a much bigger thing. And it is completely ignored. All of their issues ignored. They don't talk about them. They don't admit that they think that there's something wrong and and that's very Irish as well it's such an Irish thing and when Debbie actually goes to get help she goes to the college counsellor in the book and I was dismayed and horrified with how she was treated and to be honest I've heard a lot of people have these experiences with going to college counsellors or going to a counsellor in general that she is treated with an indifference that you wouldn't expect you think like, okay, this is a person I need to, they're a unique person, deal with them in a u- unique way. They need specific help. She is just treated like a general college student. And she's like, oh, you know, you're probably just anxious. That's run in the middle stuff when you start college. And you're there kind of going, oh, no, 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 she no, She needs no, no. help. And help the thing her. Is because Debbie kind of senses that the counselor is just treating her like a generalized like college population she can't quite find the words to describe how she is feeling. And I mean, by this stage, we've seen like how she is not doing well or how, you know, how bad it is. And she just can't manage to form words for this woman. Mm. It's, it's, it's kind of, I, I understood that from a person that when you're treated like that with kind of an indifference, you can't quite be fully honest about how you're feeling. Mm-hmm. It's really hard because you're opening up. It's showing off this, um, showing this vulnerable side to yourself that if if you don't know, if you know it's not going to be treated properly, you're like, I'm not going to do it. Like, And I think as well, when someone is kind of generalizing things and kind of going, oh, everyone feels that way, it kind of undermines and it's like, do I actually need to yeah. get help? Am I, maybe I'm fine. Maybe I'm overreacting. Yeah. And it's, it's that whole discourse off and that's a whole other and thing. It's something that you see a lot online. Um, even people talking about mental health services in Ireland, they are piss poor, to be honest. Um, we don't have 
we don't anything have mental health services of, in Ireland. of a mental health services and even hearing people who have managed to get um, a conversation with um with a doctor or you know an appointment with um different uh services or that they are treated appallingly they're either dismissed they're told nah, come back in a year's time and you're like what could happen to this person in that space of time yeah. you are turning them away and it's it's kind of this glorified notion of like oh if I get, manage to get through to these people they will help me and then they don't it's like that last bit of hope is snuffed out for, for people yeah it's um so I mean there's that but as well when um she has uh um one of the friends that she makes it's it's really the only friend that she makes in college um and I'm going to pronounce this wrong it's a Greek name Santa Santi hey uh they call her Santa um at times because um Debbie mishears her name being pronounced on the first day Mm. and um this friend she's really affluent she comes from a really wealthy background and Debbie's like you've had everything handed to you she's even dating someone that Debbie's had a crush on for years mm-hmm. and this girl tells her she's been diagnosed with depression and Debbie can't accept her friend's diagnosis and I think that's a big commentary of Ireland as well of like if someone does tell you I've been depressed they're like oh sure what would you have to be depressed about like oh it's going well for you and it's kind of this thing where you can't judge a person by what they show you on the outside a lot of times people are masking it um they might be going through a good phase um do you know a lot of people in Ireland they do not let you see that side of them and you know there's lots of signs that a lot of people miss because there's no education on it in this country and I felt I was disappointed with Debbie in mm-hmm. that moment. I'd be disappointed with anybody who does that. But I think it's more showing how the Irish mindset works in that mm-hmm. way. And I think as the book kind of goes on, we see different characters getting treated. And it's for me, I felt like Louise Nealon was kind of showing that there is no even if someone's treated the care it's incredibly difficult or expensive to get. Mm-hmm. Um, you'll probably have to go private, um, but the aftercare isn't there. Like you are left on your own. Yeah, and also um, like just being able to support yourself through the care. Like, you know, you you might be able to pay for the initial treatment. Can you pay for being out of work? No, and it's, it's something that I think Ireland needs to have a wake up call with this. Um, the powers that be need to be like cop on do you know mm-hmm. that you are letting people suffer and you know you can all talk about the high suicide rates in this country but there is nothing being done to yeah that so apology this book there's a lot of kind of deeper things going on in it and I think the discussion on mental health is one that I'm very passionate about hence mm-hmm. why this is a very long chat about this book but I felt the way it's done is really, really well. Um, and, you know, you're kind of, you are, you're made to feel very strongly about it as well. And, you know, living in Ireland also helps. Yeah. <laughs> you know, we see it firsthand. But um, going on to other things, um, I'm going to Trinity College Dublin. She lives on a farm. 
I think anybody who hasn't, who doesn't live in Cork or Dublin, sorry to mm-hmm. throw Cork in there as well. You're kind I of know a, Cork is kind of becoming that way, unfortunately. It's, um, you can be treated uh, a bit differently um, if you're coming from a different county. And um, they literally, her college friends, romanticize her rural life. Oh, God. And you're there kind of going like, oh, oh shut up. Like, Jesus. Like, and it's, it's, you're there kind of going, it's so cringy. It's, you're there like, this is embarrassing for you. And like, oh, I would no. feel so uncomfortable. Even, um, I remember I was on a music course years ago and there was people from all over Ireland and there was a girl from Dublin in our, we were, it was an overnight kind of thing or a week long course. So we were staying somewhere and the girl in my room was like, oh, like there's people from Kerry, Cork, Limerick, all that kind of stuff, tip. And the girl from Dublin was like, oh, you all sound the same. Like I can't pick apart your accents at all. And we were like, what? Like, oh, we're all, and she's like you all just sound like cold no. cheese. And I was like, it just made me think of that. It just made me think of that. And it's, I find it so demeaning. Do you know, it's, it's really kind of, uh, it kind of shows the different class divide. They, it's looking down on her really. And I just hate it. And even they trivialize her, her personal family history. Her mom doesn't know who Debbie's dad is. Mm-hmm. And um, one of them says, oh, it's like the culture Mamma Mia. And I was like, oh my God, <laughs> you can't say that. Oh my God. It, it, I was just, it was something that, and it's done so often. It's done so often. They're like, oh, I'd love to live on a farm. How many people I've heard say that? I like, know. And it's like, do you want to wake up at 5am? Like, you're just <laughs> like, you don't get holidays. Um, nope. Your working hours are like all Insane. the time. All it, the time. Like, I'm sorry. Like, don't romanticize this very hardworking life. No. Um, but to talk about the title, which uh, it's one that's really interesting, and you did hit hit it on the head. Uh, snowflake, uh, for those who might not know, is a term often used to describe a generation's uh, oversensitivity. Was one oh. I saw, and it's it is used as a derogatory term or um, something to really uh, be condescending. It's like, um, oh, you have issues, and you talk about how they make you feel. <laughs> yeah it's it's, I have all those issues too and I repress them therefore I'm better than you it's like yeah it's I'm sad you're also wounded (laughs) it's something that you see a lot especially on Twitter of people being like oh you're such a snowflake of like someone being like I'm calling out this really abhorrent thing going on like let's say you're talking about mental health services in Ireland and like oh you're such a snowflake like just battle that up like no one needs to talk about their feelings it's infuriating and it's something that um I thought it was a very clever title for this of kind of showing someone in their millennial life that, well, maybe she's a Gen Z. I can't remember, but it's um, kind of showing how she's really suffering from burnout, anxiety, depression, but there's no help there either. And it's, um, it's an interesting one. Now, I'm sorry, this is such a long discussion on a book. Um, so that's all the book stuff, but uh, I'd written some notes before kind of going into reviews to kind of see what people thought about it. And I posted this rant last night. This is going to be a long episode, lads. Uh- oh, geez, you're going to be sick of my voice by the end of it. But it's something that I've noticed for quite a while since we started this podcast, literally from the start. And it is Irish female authors being compared to Sally Rooney. Oh, the Sally Rooney plague. And to be honest... 
It's it's even gone to I think uh, Kylie Reid uh, who wrote. Um, oh, such a fun age! Such fun of such a fun age. She was compared to be the next Sally Rooney, and I think it's. I just think it's so unfair, and I'm sorry, but like I read some reviews, and like I think Louise Newlin is such a promising author. That is, I really loved her style of writing, um, and things like that, and. I just think that's so unfair to be compared. Yes, you can be like, if you like Sally Rooney, you might like Louise Nealon. If you like this author, you might like, do you know, I like that. Sometimes I like, if I'm like, oh, okay, this author that I really enjoy reviewed this book. Mm-hmm. Do you know, like Marion Keyes is on this. I'm like, I love Marion Keyes. Yeah, we Things love like that. I, I love that kind of stuff where I'm like, okay, I like their style of books. This might be one I enjoy. But this kind of, theme that is running through reviews like so many of them there was actually more than one I tweeted about this and I put it up on our Instagram there was more than one that actually was like disappointed that Louise Nealon wasn't Sally Rooney (laughs) and I was like how make this make sense to me please do you know Mm -hmm. um I think as well I read reviews or interviews with Louise Nealon and she just sounds like such a lovely woman um I'd love to meet her she just sounds like a dote and even in interviews when she said uh she went off to do her creative writing masters and um being like how difficult it was for her to stop comparing herself to her classmates and how it really wasn't good for her and realizing that and Mm -hmm. then in the same interview they talk about her and Sally Rooney oh my god like Mm -hmm. I was like she just said it's not good for her yeah like doing? literally like and it, it's something like there was one review in particular that was just kept chatting about Sally Rooney and I was like this is Louise Nealon this is a separate person and you know we you know us we love Sally Rooney on this podcast mm-hmm. this is not a Sally Rooney like rant this but, is like it's pitting women against her and it's thank like, you yeah I, I'm like, sorry but pitting... like oh because like, I remember Caroline O'Donoghue did on her podcast, uh, Sentimental Garbage, kind of mentioned this as well, that like, oh, if you like Sally Rooney, you'll like me. And yeah. like that, that's almost her like place as an author. Yeah. And it's like, no, it's not. It's, it's not. not. These but, women, it, but they're making it like, that's what they are. The, they're making it of kind of like the Sally Rooney is the, the what you need to aim for. This and you're is like the top of the triangle. It is Sally you're Rooney. You're there kind of like, she is an amazing, <laughs> successful woman as are all these other authors that you are categorizing. Yeah. Like they are unique to themselves. And, and obviously just... writing, writing has its objectivity. Writing mm. also has its subjectivity the same way music does. Why are we, why are we platforming one as the holiest yeah. above the um, rest? Like, And this isn't a giving out about Sally Rooney because I know people are going to twist what we're saying no something I that... love her Conversations with Friends is one of my favorite books of yeah all time. and like we've both pre-ordered her next book but it's just something that it was just mentioned in so many reviews and I was just like it got to the point where I was like I'm so disappointed for Louise Nealon yeah not comment or critique her work based on her own work um, cause I mean, this book, uh, this was like part of a six figure deal with a publishing house. Was it Manila press? It is Manila press. And like, you're just like, that is amazing. Oh my God. Do you know? And I just think it just really bothered me last night. I don't really go on many rants. And I was like, this is just something I've seen with so many female authors, especially Irish authors. And I just think it's so unfair. Yeah. 
and I'm kind of like imagine like this could create hostility or competitiveness in this environment when you're like no I want them to just all be friends and get on and you know maybe I'm creating that in my head but I just it was something that really kind of got to me mm-hmm. and I mean I think I mentioned Louise Nealon and any other female Irish author they need to be reviewed on their own work they do completely separately and you know yes Debbie goes off to Trinity College Dublin but she has completely different experiences and things like that her writing style is different all that kind of stuff and you know if you want Sally Rooney read a Sally Rooney book exactly (laughs) that is that is the front line like if you want her go and buy her she's great books and um do you know let Sally Rooney be Sally Rooney and let Louise Nealon be Louise Nealon. Let Caroline O'Donoghue be Caroline O'Donoghue, do you know, and um, with any other author. And it's just, sorry, I've gone on a very long rant with this Girl, book. There was, we are, there we was, are women and we are wrathed. <laughs> um, so it's like, I am woman, hear me roar. Um, <laughs> it's, it's just something, this book had a lot of things that I wanted to talk about. And then reading those reviews last night, I was like, this really doesn't feel right to me mm-hmm. and I was I was really disappointed so it's yeah but um Louise Nealon I really liked her work just wanted to put that in there please have a is conversation this her debut with me as about well? it this is her debut um so yeah so if you want to have a conversation with me about or us about uh the Sally Rooney effect yeah uh, please do but about the butterfly louise, effect but it's the yeah. sally rooney effect um about louise neil and i had to go digging for like a proper bio because what's in the book is really short and i was like no i want to do this woman justice um so louise neilan is a writer from county kildare ireland oh in, yeah so in 2017 she won the sean of international short story competition and was the recipient of the francis ledwidge creative writing award now i have seen that her short story is actually posted i only found it this morning and i'm like must read mm. um so she has been published in the Irish Times, South World and the Open Year. Neelan received a degree in English literature from Trinity College Dublin in 2014 and a master's degree in creative writing from Queen's University Belfast in 2016. Um, she lives on the dairy farm now where she spends her time writing and reading and milking cows. Uh, Snowflake is her first novel. Oh, I had to go digging for that information so I did because I was like oh, oh my god I know some of them are hard especially when it's their debut because all I could find on Rebecca Hardiman was that she lives in New Jersey and she <laughs> used to be a magazine editor oh wow and she has I think she's in a family of like seven or eight it's like she's okay. in a big family but yeah that was all I could find yeah. so no I mean um I, we follow her on Instagram and like her Instagrams are just so cute and like even her interviews um she is incredibly intelligent um she comes across really well um they're really enjoyable to read actually and um I really I'm looking forward to her doing really really well uh, in the future because she will yeah but as well sorry oh my god another thing to talk I never talked about the inspiration of this book whoever's listening to this episode is like shut <laughs> up oh my god I'm sorry I don't think I'll be able to cut anything down but 
um she there's a lovely like what also endears me to louise newland she puts a lovely little like talking to the reader at the end like oh thank you for picking um, up like, snowflake I, oh it was so nice um so snowflake um sorry this is like directly from the book snowflake began with a dream when i was 18 i woke up in the middle of the night convinced that the dream i'd had belonged to someone else i was convinced that whatever happened in my sleep had no business being inside my he- head it felt like a violation I told my doctor about it. He smiled at me and seemed vaguely amused before he put me on antidepressants. Nobody believed me or took the dream seriously, so I wrote about it. I spent my entire 20s chasing the idea of a woman who dreamed about other people's dreams. Then I met my characters. They didn't care about my artistic concept. They threw away my perfect idea and took me for a wild ride. The result is a book that you hold in your hands. Aww. Which I, I love hearing about maybe inspirations behind books. And I just yeah. think... Like, oh, like I remember reading like her acknowledgements and that note. And I was like, that this just feels so personal. Um, and I love that. Like, it just helps connect the reader. To the yeah. Book. So apologies for like the 40 minute What's chat about Snowflake. Ten? I'd probably give it a seven out of 10. Seven out of 10, good. Yeah. So um, it's a really great debut and um, I really enjoyed it. So apologies, 40 minute rant over. And We're all good. With. We're oh, all good. Sorry, that was I knew a good it was going to be a long one. I knew it was going to be a long one today. So. Oh, girl, this was a fun episode. It was. And it was. to you, listener, thank you for listening. <laughs> You're like, learn from Louise Nealon, connect Coming with right the at audience. you to your ear holes. <laughs> Um, but yeah so um, do let us know what you think um, as we said we love getting listener messages they we make do. our day we do um, that really did make my day oh thank you she again. deserves and a Amanda. shout out yes yeah Amanda yes we love you but um yeah and um yeah go follow us on Instagram Goodreads Twitter yes. interact with us yes we are lonely people <laughs> but um Okay, Nikki's getting really tired here, lads. I haven't had my breakfast. I just ate a Rice Krispie cake before we recorded and I'm really hungry. That's not responsible adulting, Nikki. No, I, I never said I was a responsible adult, Rebecca. No. We, we, we just tiptoe around that. We're like, we're not responsible yeah. adults, people. But um, with that, long rants over. Until next time. Bye. Bye.